the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Talk 570 WTBN Pinellas Park. Online at Let's Talk Faith.com. A service of the Salem Media. Portions of this hour have been pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Odyssey. The following program was pre recorded for broadcast at this time. Up next is Verse by Verse, sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries. Quite frankly, as an unconverted person, I would have loved hearing a pastor expound Romans chapter 1. And you know why? Because I would have concluded that none of it applied to me. I would have felt good and secure in the knowledge that I hadn't been guilty of any of the sins that Paul mentions in chapter 1 of his letter to the Romans. Murder? No. Never murdered anyone. Perversions? No. Covenant breakers? No. Without natural family affection? No. It's not me. Wasn't me. John MacArthur, enlisting the dangers of moralism, said it was moral people who partnered with the Roman idolaters to crucify Jesus. Moral people flew planes into the World Trade Center. Morality, as we're about to learn today on Verse by Verse, has nothing to do with salvation. As we move into chapter 2 of Romans, it will become clear that even the best of us fall short of God's standards. It's great to have you here for another class as Pastor Steve Kreloff continues to lead us on our journey through the first three chapters of Romans. Pastor Steve has been serving as the teaching pastor for more than 26 years at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. We at Verse by Verse Ministries are delighted to make his practical messages available to you through this great radio station. The reason the Apostle Paul was so brutal in his description of mankind, apart from God, is that we need to know just how desperate we are before we can realize our need for a Savior. In chapter 1, Paul made a clear case that wicked and immoral people have no excuses and they are doomed unless they repent and accept Christ as Lord and Savior. We might find it easy to read chapter 1 and feel pretty good about ourselves, but if we go on to chapter 2, we won't feel good for very long. It turns out that the so-called good people are in just as much need of a Savior. Open your Bible, if you have it with you, to Romans chapter 2. Here is Pastor Steve to begin our lesson. I invite you to open your Bibles to Romans chapter 2. Romans, the second chapter, begins this way. Therefore, you are without excuse, every man of you who passes judgment. For in that you judge another, you condemn yourself. For you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. And do you suppose this, O man, that when you pass judgment upon those who practice such things and and do the same yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you think lightly 
of the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that the kindness of God leads you to repentance. But because you, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath and revelation of the righteous judgment of God, who will render to every man according to his deeds. To those who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. But to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil, of the Jew first and also of the Greek. But glory and honor and peace to every man who does good to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law. And all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. For not the hearers of the law are just before God, but the doers of the law will be justified. For when Gentiles who do not have the law do instinctively the things of the law, these not having the law are a law to themselves, in that they show the work of the law written in their hearts, their conscience bearing witness and their thoughts alternately accusing or else defending them on the day when, according to my gospel, God will judge the secrets of men through Christ Jesus. If I had visited Lakeside Community Chapel before my conversion to Christ and heard the kind of teachings, teaching that has been going on here the last few weeks, I would have been in wholehearted agreement. In fact, I might have even broken into a few amens. That's how much I would have been in agreement. Because I would have been delighted to find a group of people who agreed with me that the problems that society uh, faces can be traced back to those who commit the wicked deeds that Paul has mentioned in Romans chapter 1. I would have been delighted, absolutely delighted, to know that the New Testament teaches that Gentile heathen are unrighteous and deserving of God's wrath. I would have applauded in my heart the Apostle Paul for exposing the heathen for what they really are, guilty, unrighteous sinners who practice uh, immorality and corrupt behavior. I I would have been thrilled to find the group of people who believed like I did. Quite frankly, as an unconverted person, I would have loved hearing a pastor expound Romans chapter 1. And you know why? You know why I would have been delighted and thrilled and, and excited about what I would have heard? Because I would have concluded that none of it applied to me. I would have concluded that none of it applied to my own life. I would have felt good and secure in the knowledge that I hadn't been guilty of any of the sins that Paul mentions in chapter 1 of his letter to the Romans. Murder? No. You never murdered anyone. Perversions? No. Covenant breakers? No. Without natural family affection? No. It's not me. It wasn't me. This kind of behavior just didn't describe me. And so as an unsaved person, I would have been thrilled to sit here. I would have soaked it all up and, and wholeheartedly agreed with everything. In fact, I would have sat back with a kind of smug, moralistic, self-righteous attitude and said in my heart, that away, Paul. Give it to them good. Let those pagan Gentiles know exactly what they are. Expose them for what they really are, wicked sinners guilty before God. Now that would have been my reaction to the teachings of Romans chapter 1 if I had visited Lakeside before my conversion. But I have news for you. 
there were people like me who were associated with the church at Rome, this church that Paul was writing to. And Paul anticipated that they might have some strong reactions to Romans chapter 1. He anticipated that they would react with, with this kind of attitude. You're right, Paul. The heathen are unrighteous. They're guilty. They need salvation. But not me. Not me. I'm a moral, clean-living, law-abiding, family-loving person. I don't do the things that you've mentioned in Romans chapter 1. Now, it's to this kind of person, this person who denies that he's, that he's a sinner, like the sinners of Romans chapter 1, this kind of person, a moralistic person with the high ethical values and standards who despise the moral corruption of his day. It's this type of person that Paul addresses in Romans chapter 2. In chapter 1, Paul has shown that the Gentile heathen are unrighteous and they are in need of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. In chapter 2, Paul will show that the self-righteous, now watch this, the self-righteous Jewish person is also guilty before God and he stands as one needing the righteousness of Christ just as much as the heathen of chapter 1. The Jew of Paul's day looked down upon the heathen world with lofty contempt. He looked down upon his unenlightened Gentile neighbors as morally unclean, unfit. And he even had a label for them. You know what the Jew labeled the, the Gentiles of his day? Dogs. And he wasn't refer they weren't referring to nice pets that you have in your home. Dogs. The Jew would applaud every word Paul said in Romans chapter one about the Gentiles' condemnation, but he would never for one moment ever entertain the thought that he was also condemned. He thought he occupied a privileged position before God. He thought he was different because why? Because he was a son of Abraham. He felt that he was part of the covenant people. He was identified with Abraham. He saw himself as secure because not only was he identified with Abraham, but, but he saw salvation as a national thing, not an individual thing, a national thing. He saw that because he practiced the law and he was hooked up with, with Abraham and the promises because of the rite of circumcision, that he was okay, that he was fine. He was part of the chosen people, and salvation would be given to him no matter what his behavior was. And the Jewish people felt that, that they were exempt from God's judgment because of their relationship with Abraham through circumcision and because they kept all the outward religious observances of the law. But they firmly believed that God would judge the Gentiles, but not them. And it was that, this attitude that is prevalent throughout history. In fact, uh, I've, I've taken some quotes of the Jewish thinking of Paul's day that would kind of give you some insight into how they looked upon the Gentiles and the judgments of God. And, and here's some of the things they said about this subject. God loves Israel alone of all the nations of the world. God will judge the nations with one measure and the Jews with another. All Israelites will have uh, will will have part in the world to come. Now, now listen to this. 
Abraham sits beside the gates of hell and does not permit any wicked Israelite to go through. Do you see what they're saying? It really doesn't matter how wicked you are. It doesn't matter your individual behavior. You're exempt from judgment. You're okay. You're in. You're identified with Abraham. You keep the law. You've been circumcised. You're the chosen people. Their attitude was that we will share in the eternal kingdom of God regardless of how we behave. We are in, no question about it. So the Jewish people of Paul's day saw everyone as worthy of judgment and destined for judgment except themselves. They're good and everybody else just doesn't cut it. And so it's Paul's aim in chapter 2 of Romans to convince the self-righteous, moralistic Jew that he's not righteous at all. In fact, he's, he's guilty, just like the heathen. He's a sinner. In fact, he's even more inexcusable than the heathen because he has more light to respond to. The heathen has the light of creation. The heathen has the light of conscience. But the Jew has the light of creation, conscience, and the word of God. He has more light to respond to. And just like the heathen, he's going to be judged. Because he hasn't responded to that light. He hasn't obeyed the light that he has. He's under the same condemnation as the heathen, and he'll end up in the same hell unless he personally receives Jesus Christ. Paul stresses here, there is no difference between Jew or Gentile. God is impartial. God doesn't treat one group of people differently than he treats another group of people as far as his holiness and his standards of justice are concerned. He may have different programs for different peoples, but God is impartial in his dealings with people as far as holiness, justice, and righteousness are concerned. Now, the principles of this chapter are not confined to the Jewish person of the first century. I want you to know that, lest you think that you can squirm out of this. In fact, many Bible teachers see this passage as addressed to Gentile pagan moralizers who look down upon the superstitious idolatry of their day. In fact, just until this week, I, I held to that position. Uh, I held to the position that Romans chapter 2, at least the first part of it, was dealing with the moral Gentile. But after studying this, uh, I'm convinced that Paul is addressing the self-righteous Jew. But the real thing, it really doesn't matter that much. It really doesn't matter that much because these are broad principles that apply to every morally upright person who thinks that he's a cut above everyone else in his behavior. These truths are for Protestants today who think that their religion puts them in a special category, exempt from God's judgment. These truths are for all church attenders, church officers, baptized people, confirmed people, who think that their church affiliation will exempt them from the judgment of God. These truths are for the family man who is committed to integrity, Honesty, wholesome living. And these truths are for the modest woman committed to the Judeo-Christian ethic. And these truths are principles for the young person who is turned off by the widespread indulgence of drugs and alcohol and sex among his peers. These truths are for everybody who doesn't outwardly engage in corrupt behavior. Now, it's to these type of people that Paul directs his attention. Why? Because Paul wants to show them that they are guilty before God and they must face an inevitable judgment. It's inescapable. And quite frankly, 
These kind of people are the hardest to speak to about Christ. They are the hardest to preach to. They are the hardest to convince that they need salvation. Why? Because they see themselves as respectable sinners. Quote, unquote, respectable sinners. They don't see their sin as clearly as the, as the immoral reprobate. I've spoken to a number of people who, uh, who think that they're self-righteous. And the real problem in speaking to them about Christ is that they don't see their need of Christ. In fact, they see your need of Christ. They see the person who speaks to them about their need of Christ, and their attitude is, sure, you needed salvation. I don't. They don't see themselves as sinners. Usually they're church-going people. Oftentimes they've held positions in their, in their churches up north. They've been deacons, elders, officers, treasurers. They don't like anybody telling them that they are just as sinful as the people they look down upon. But you see, those who see their need for Christ, those who are immoral, they're reprobates, they're wicked in their behavior, I've spoken to people like that too. You don't have to explain much about being sinful to them. You don't have to define what sin is. They know that they're sinners. They haven't deceived themselves. They know that they need a Savior. Problem is, they don't know who the Savior is. But they know they need salvation. So the self-righteous churchgoers are always the hardest to witness to because they think everybody else needs salvation, but not them. Now, Paul understands better than perhaps anybody here that kind of thinking because Paul used to be, before his conversion, a self-righteous Pharisee and a moralist. But his plan in chapter 2 is to show that all have sinned, and then in chapter 3 he's going to say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, Jew and Gentile. And so he has to make this clear that the religious moralist will face God's judgment just like the heathen immoral person. So if you're taking notes this morning, chapter 2, verses 1 through 16, is really, an, is really one unit. And uh, this is one unit, and, and you can label it the divine principles of judgment. And as I've studied this passage, I, I see two basic truths that stand out. This is going to be our outline for the next few weeks. The guarantee of judgment and the grounds for judgment. The guarantee of judgment and the grounds for judgment. God says it's guaranteed. It's inevitable. It's inescapable. No one will be exempt from it. And then he's going to tell us what grounds he judges people on. What's the basis of it? So let's look first of all at the guarantee of judgment. Verse 1. Therefore, you are without excuse... Every man of you who passes judgment, for in that you judge another, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. The religious Jew knew what was right and what was wrong, no question about it. He, he knew the truth. His conscience made it clear to him, as well as the law of Moses that had been entrusted to him. And because he knew what was right behavior and what was wrong behavior, he condemned the heathen. Now, I want you to see this is a devastating argument that Paul's giving. Don't just pass over verse 1 and say, oh, that's interesting. Watch this. It's absolutely brilliant. The Jew knew what was right and what was wrong. And because he knew what was right and what was wrong, he looked on his Gentile neighbors and could judge them and could make a proper judgment. This is wrong behavior. This is right behavior. This is evil to do. This is proper to do. The Jew knew God's standards, and therefore he properly passed judgment on the heathen who violated these standards. But you see, 
in his judgment of others, he condemned himself. Because he practiced the same things he condemned others for doing. Now, let me explain this. And that's what verse 1 is saying. In chapter 1, verses 18 through 32, Paul has said that the heathen are without excuse because they know the truth of God and they don't obey it, right? That's what we said. They know the truth, they suppress the truth, and they don't obey it. But now Paul is saying, now watch this, this opens it all up. Paul is saying that the Jew is also without excuse. Verse 1, you are without excuse. And you could say this, you could probably insert the word too there. Therefore, you too are without excuse. Because he also knows the truth and doesn't obey it. And what's the proof that he knows the truth and doesn't obey it? The proof that he knows the truth is that he judges the heathen by whether or not they live up to that truth. In other words, he has a a criterion for his judgment, and he makes, uh, the judgment that he makes, he has a criterion which shows that he knows what's right and what's wrong. Do you see Paul's point? You prove that you know what's right and wrong, because if you didn't know what's right and wrong, you couldn't judge others. So you know the truth, and it's obvious that you don't practice the truth. You see, it's a brilliant argument. The Jew has exposed himself because he has a criterion for judging others. It becomes obvious that he knows what's right and what's wrong. If he didn't know what's right and wrong, how could he say that the heathen are right and wrong? See? Paul says, when you condemn others, you condemn yourself because you fail to live up to what you know to be the truth. And he says, I know you know the truth, Because if you didn't know the truth, you couldn't have a basis for judging others. Listen, forget right for right now that Paul is referring to the religious Jew. See its broader application. He's referring to the self-righteous hypocrite. The self-righteous hypocrite who looks down upon others for their behavior, but all the while he's doing the same exact things that he judges others for. See, the self-righteous hypocrite loves to jump all over the faults of others, but he's blind to his own faults. Look at verse 1 again. He says at the end, For you who judge practice the same things. You see, the self-righteous hypocrite is blind to his own sins, but he's very much concerned about other people's sins. He looks over, this hypocrite, looks over the list of Romans chapter 1, and he says, in essence, terrible, hideous, awful. Imagine people living like this, like animals. They murder, and there's sexual immorality, and there's deceit, and oh, terrible. They live like animals. In fact, that, maybe that's why they call them dogs. And Paul says, you hypocrite. You absolute hypocrite. Because you practice the same things you take your finger and wag at other people. You do the same things. And in self-righteous indignation, the hypocrite stands to his feet. That's really what Paul is saying in, in, in verse 1. He says, you do the same things. And I could imagine the hypocrite at Rome who's reading this, and I can imagine the hypocrite here today who's reading this, 
You, you might want to stand to your feet and say, how dare you, Paul, accuse me of such a thing? I dare you, Paul, to, to show me where my life is like the heathen. That seems like a reasonable challenge, doesn't it? I've never forsaken my family, never killed anyone, never cheated on my spouse. I don't even cheat on my taxes. How can you say I'm just like those people Paul described in chapter 1? Well, in our next verse-by-verse, we will see how Jesus himself dealt with that challenge in his Sermon on the Mount. You have been listening to Verse-by-Verse with pastor-teacher Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. These daily Bible classes are produced by Verse-by-Verse Ministries. We are a faith ministry supported by the prayers and gifts of listeners like you, who are first faithful to their own churches. If you would like to hear today's broadcast again, you can find it at our website, versebyverseradio.org. You can listen online or download it for later. We have many of our previous classes available on the archives page. That's versebyverseradio.org. If you would like to hear the entire message from which today's class came, you can order a CD or cassette by calling us at 727 727- Leave your name and a number, and we will call you back during weekday office hours. That number again is 727-441-1714. Hypocrisy is a strange condition. It's a lot easier to spot it in others than it is in ourselves. As we will... Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.